What's going on, podcast listeners? Welcome back to the show. It's Walker here, welcoming you to episode number nine of season three of the Prayerfully Woke podcast. Today on the show, we are honored, absolutely honored to have Paul Balash with us on the show. If any of you out there know your 90s and early 2000s worship music, you know that Paul Balash is an amazing worship leader, in many ways a pioneer uh, for all the amazing worship bands that we have today. Before there was Elevation or Hillsong, there was Paul Balash. He was making amazing songs like Open the Eyes of My Heart and Your Name. Paul's latest album is called Behold Him. Go get it everywhere where you can find music. It's amazing uh, listening to that. In this episode, we talk with Paul about a multitude of things from theology of worship, from songwriting to what the coronavirus is like in New York City in his experience. I will tell you that this episode was recorded before the murder of George Floyd. Uh, So you won't hear us mentioning anything about riots or anything in New York City because it had not happened yet. So without further ado, let's go ahead and hop into this episode today with Paul Balash. It's an absolute beast of an episode. You guys are in for a treat. Remember to like it, share it, subscribe it if you like the episode. Yo, this is Walker McCallan. And I'm Jonathan Garlock. And we are Prayerfully Woke. Uh, well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us today on Prayer Freely Woke. I am stoked uh, to have uh, Paul Balash with us, singer, songwriter, worship leader, uh, a man of God. I've been listening to, to some other podcasts that Paul has done, and he really has a servant's heart, and I'm just, we're blessed to, to have you on, Paul. How are you doing today? Good, John. Thanks. Great to be with you. Excellent. Well, you are... Um, uh, you're a worship leader extraordinaire, and so eventually we, we want to turn this podcast into talking more about worship, but uh, you are really at ground zero of coronavirus in the United States. You're in New York City, and um, you know there's a lot of stuff being said on the news. It's hard to know what to believe, but I would love to hear uh, what your experience has been for the last couple of months. Well, it's a good question. Um, you're right. The news doesn't necessarily reflect what's happening. It depends on what part of New York City you're in. So some, um, we happen to be in Manhattan in our little 900-square-foot apartment. Mm. Right one on. bedroom. So it gets kind of small after a while. Um, but, um, you know, of course, Queens, Bronx. I mean, a lot of the folks that get on a, get on a subway and head into Manhattan, I mean, they're packed tight for you know, 30, 40 minutes together that, you know, of course, in hindsight, everybody's going to be looking. And in hindsight, we could all go, well, why did we do that? Well, why did we send people back into nursing homes when they had the virus? Uh, we had, you know, the, <laughs> the, the uh, Army Corps of Engineers came in and they built like four hospitals in about 10 days, like uh, the Javits Center and a few others. And sadly, they all re- remained somewhat empty. I mean, there was very few. So it was very underutilized. Of course, no one knew what it was going to be. They were preparing for the absolute worst. So again, I'm not playing a blame game, but, um, and anybody, anybody on either side of, of whatever your perspective is, or, um, you know, you could play, 
that blame game all day long. But the fact is, who anticipated anything like this? This was on the entire world. My daughter lives in France. You know, I have friends all across Europe, I mean, and in Asia. And, um, you know, every single person on this planet has been greatly affected. So, you know, personally, because we're in Manhattan, it didn't feel as intense. I mean, sure, it was a lot, lot quieter. A lot of people either left the city or they were pretty much staying indoors except to walk their dog or go to the grocery store, you know. Um, but you'd still see joggers and people out there on bikes. And, you know, so it wasn't as intense as you would see on the news. I think there was just a couple hot spots in particular that I think they sort of amplify. And don't get me started. I feel like <laughs> I feel like the news, it's a commercial business and they make money by getting eyeballs and uh, ratings and ad selling ads. And I, I've tried to raise my kids to just say, you know, sure, watch the news, but just don't be gullible. You know, always realize that um, everybody has a... Everybody, including myself, everyone has a bit of a bias, and so that's sure. okay. Just, But just be aware that those who are coming across as having no bias, like they still have a bias. So it's good to get your information from this side, get some from this side, and then kind of do your own research. And I think that's the intelligent way to kind of get through some of this and not just gullibly believe everything that shows up on your feed. Perfect. All right, I'm 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 done my rant. No, that was perfect. <laughs> that was Good, perfect. I love it. Good. Um, Paul, I I want to ask you first off. You know, obviously you're you're this uh, you're a great worship leader. You know, you spent a lot of years in um in that field. I want to ask you. You know, a lot of Americans are going through crisis right now. A lot of people are going through a, t- a tough time, whether that's financially or medically. You know, um, there's a lot going on. How important is worship in the life of a Christian during this time period? Well, that's such a broad question. It's a good question, but it's broad because automatically we think uh, worship as in playing music, worship <laughs> songs. Yes. And, um, of course, I think maybe my favorite verse on worship is in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. And I love the way the Apostle Paul says it. Um, I beseech, this was new, uh, King James back in the day, but I right. beseech you, it's like, for the love of God, like I can picture a New York <laughs> accent, but I beseech you for crying out loud, for the love of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, yeah. holy and acceptable unto God. This is your reasonable act of worship or your reasonable service of worship. And then verse two says, uh, and so therefore be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So it's interesting that, you know, your question is going through this pandemic and, you know, psychologically and emotionally, it's affecting everyone in different ways. I think it's, there's a key there that worship, the bigger picture of worship, we'll we'll get to the music part real quick, but what, what Paul's after is present your bodies, present your mind, soul, body, spirit. Jesus said, what's the greatest commandment? You know, this is it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and spirit. So it's, a, it's presenting to God every day, waking up in the morning and saying, you know, I'm yours, Lord. I'm not my own. I'm yours. Um, um, if you want Galatians, you can quote that. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. Who's Paul Balash? He doesn't live anymore. The life I live now is by faith in the Son of God. It's like my identity is Christ in me, the hope of glory, right? 
and I, it manifests itself through my temperament, through my personality, likewise, you brothers. So, um, so that's the bottom line in terms of how important is worship. I just want to just get that out there foundationally is um, to wake up in the morning and just immediately don't get on the Twitter right away or get on your socials right away. Try to cultivate a habit of just get in the word, even if it's just one psalm, even if it's some Bible app. Just get the timeless ancient truths of God. Kings and, and, and kingdoms and pandemics have come and gone, but the word of God abides forever, right? So right. So, so you're talking about worship more as a lifestyle then, and maybe, maybe worship as generally thought of in church circles comes out of that lifestyle. Yes. I would say, so worship leading, which you're right. I, I was at the same church in Texas for 25 years, worship pastor, and of course that's my, I love, I so believe in, in the power of music. We combine music with the word of God or prayers of the people, and we just sing our prayers back to God. Um, that is what God told David to do in, in First Chronicles. Go read why you've got a little downtime. Like he, <laughs> that's what worship on earth is to look like. That's singing, using musical instruments, um, so, yeah, so let's, let's jump on that. It is important because that is one of the greatest tools to not only give glory to God and, and center our hearts and our souls and our minds on the Lord, but it's also a way to renew our minds. So interesting that Paul linked presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice to God. That's what worship is. And then the very next verse the renewing of your mind. So the renewing of our mind by, you know, saturating our hearts and our homes with scripture, with worship music, whatever that your particular style is. But I think that's important to keep our eyes on eternity and not just on what the 24-hour news cycle is for today. It's in a way, it's, it's a way to bypass the mind. It's a way to, you know, not that we don't feed our mind. Jesus said to love the world with your, with your mind. But our minds can also betray us. You know, in a fallen world, there's so many things that can get in and out. And especially with mental illness and the way that it, it is just totally seeped into culture today, what I hear you saying is that we, we can bypass that and get straight to the heart. And then the Holy Spirit can transform that and, and really do, do the work that maybe God might not have been able to otherwise because of those men, that mental blockage. No doubt. No doubt. You're right. Um, we need our minds, and yet it is amazing how the Holy Spirit can use music, worship music, or sometimes any music sometimes. Um, we've all probably had the experience where we're, you know, caught up in just doing life, and we see a commercial maybe, and maybe it's, there's a song, and it just hits us at the right spot, and we start tearing up for some reason. It's like, what? what's going on here? Like, And that's powerful. And, of course in the midst of worship, if you've ever, those, if whoever's listening, I hope that you have, as the Bible says, uh, taste and see that the Lord is good. I hope that you've not only, you know, uh, studied the Lord or read his word, but you've had an experience tasting and seeing and touching and smelling, you know, that, those kinds of, that sensory experience with God, not all the time. I mean, you won't, we don't live there on a mountaintop, but I hope that You've had those. If not, crowd to God and say, Lord, I, I need to experience you. And I open up my heart and mind and pray that you would, uh, that, that I would be able to taste and see 
your goodness, the power of your presence. And, and I think we often experience that, especially in corporate worship. Um, I, I, I believe that. So, yeah. Re- regardless of whoever's listening, whatever your background is, if it's a high church experience with the organ and the choir and the, wow, that can be so powerful in, in, yeah. in uh, what the Bible says, set your affections on things above. I mean, the music has a way of helping us to set our emotions and our affections on him as well as, you know, a charismatic expression with two guitar players and a keyboard player and some singers. And God can use just about any style. It's really not about the style. Right on. So I would love to hear you talk about, I know you grew up playing rock and roll on the Jersey Shore. Uh, what is what is dynamically the difference that you found in the power in, because there is power in all kinds of music, mm-hmm. but what is the difference that you found in going from uh, the rock and roll scene on the Jersey Shore to uh, to playing worship songs and giving, honestly, giving the church uh, uh, some some amazing songs, some anthems, uh, that uh, the church as a whole has gotten on board with and, and given praise to God with? Mm. Well, you know, my high school years, yeah, I was playing guitar all the time, especially electric guitar. I had a bunch of basement bands. My my poor, God bless my parents, we had one of those classic New Jersey basements with a six-foot ceiling, you know, and you'd put in Marshall amps and a B3 organ and a full drum kit. I mean, I'm, I don't even know how I can even hear anymore. <laughs> no. And, uh, man, the house would shake. We'd practice five nights a week, you know, playing, gosh, everything from Kansas to Leonard Skinner to Beatles to, you know, yes. Um, Anyway, and we thought we were kind of a big deal playing the Jersey Shore. But I would say, man, I remember halfway through that summer, I was so disillusioned because I thought in my 19-year-old brain, like, this is it. This is the ultimate. I graduated high school, man. I'm in a rock band. Yeah man, we're going to be the next Bruce Springsteen, you know? (laughs) And, uh, man, by the middle of that summer, it was just stale, you know, in my heart of hearts, in my soul. I just thought, wow, this is just, this is it, huh? And I feel like the Lord heard me because it wasn't long after that. I began to meet some people that were my age and they talked about the Lord like he was real. And, um, I had never heard that kind of talk. And, uh, long story short, a few months later, I had an, opportunity to give my heart to the Lord. And it was interesting enough. I was at some event where there was a band and they were playing, I think like hymns, but with a, with electric guitars and drums. And I'd never seen that. So I think the Lord again, used that in my life and, and just kind of exposed me to the potential of how music can create an atmosphere, worship music. So the difference is you take music, which is powerful in and of itself, and then you combine the word of God, the spirit of God. Um, I mean, there's just nothing like it. Even the world knows that. That's why when some rock or pop artists, usually at least one time in their life, they always turn to some gospel choir, yeah. you know, because they know that there's only one way to get that extra and that's they hire some gospel choir. And it's, I mean, look at even Kanye in the last year, you know, like yep. how whatever you think of his experience. And so a lot of people are like, you know, come down pretty hard on him, judging him hard. And others are kind of celebrating and extending some grace to him as he's like all of us in the early days of our walk, trying to figure out what's God, what's not. 
So, but it is amazing to me that um, here he is surrounded by this choir, legit, God-loving, Jesus-loving people with voices like no other. And um, right. so, yeah, that's, that's great. Perfect answer. Awesome. Yeah. Speaking of surrounding yourself, like surrounding yourself with those people, talk to me a little bit about the difference between um, me in my room singularly worshiping God and the congregational worship. Because right now, something I think a lot of us miss, I know I miss it. Um, Jonathan, you know, here in the Midwest, we haven't been, been hit that hard. So his church has actually been blessed to be able to meet again. So he, he gets the aspect of the congregational worship. But a lot of people are yearning for that. What's the difference between one-on-one worship with God and the congregational aspect? Well, that's, <laughs> I mean, it's, um, both are necessary, but I, one of the things I do love about this for worship leaders and worship teams is it's kind of forced us to kind of strip away all the things that give us comfort and confidence. You know, being on a platform with all our friends and our strong keyboardists and our killer drummer and our electric player and our our background singers, you know, like we just feel like, yeah, like you just feel the strength and it's comfortable and there's the confidence monitor in the back of the room with the lyrics, uh-huh, and my in-ears and man, everything's sounding good. And all of a sudden you just take all of that away. I think it's really good for us. Yeah, I think it's good for us to experience this sort of nakedness, um, a, a sense of just stripping it way back, almost the old Matt Redmond song, I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you, and to not just say that intellectually, but to experience it right now. So, man, anybody that's ever heard me teach, just, I'm kind of a one-string fiddle, I've got this one teaching for years that I, I kind of bang that same drum. It's called Ministry to the Lord. And um, anybody, just make a note, just Google <laughs> Paul Balash Ministry to the Lord, uh, or go to my YouTube channel, Just and it's right there. It's a whole series on leading worship. But there's two modules on Ministry to the Lord and what that looks like, and that would take an hour to unpack. But in essence, First Chronicles 16, it's where David tells the Levites, go in to the sanctuary there was no people there. They were just to minister before the presence of God. And it says uh, to give thanks, to praise the Lord, pray petitions. Those were the three things that they were commanded to do. There was no audience. There was no like, good morning, let's stand together. It was just where the rubber meets the road. Do we really believe in, in this invisible, immortal, omniscient God enough that when we go into our walk-in closet, which is where I often go here in New York, just to get away from, I don't want anybody to hear me. I, w- I don't want to be self-conscious. But, And I'll give you a scripture, Matthew 6, King James, Jesus said, when ye pray, go into your closet and pray to your Father in secret. <laughs> I love that. So I think it's awesome to take your guitar, if that's your thing, or a keyboard, if you can, and get to a place where Maybe no one can hear you, so you don't feel self-conscious, but you can just sing out, and you can open up the Psalms and just begin to read the Psalms out loud, and then just put a melody to that song, and then maybe go up with that song, and you begin to sing the Psalms. And it's a practice I've done for, gosh, over 25 years now that has kept my soul alive 
toward the Lord. It, it's kept it from this be, being just like a job, you know, my job as a worship leader. Like, I got to keep my own heart alive. And so all that to say, that's really, that's what it feels like now when I'm leading worship online. I'm looking at this green dot on my computer, <laughs> and it's just me and a guitar, and I've led for a bunch of churches over the last few months, and I'm... I'm imagining and picturing that congregation. I'm imagining the people that always sit on the left over there, or the, <laughs> that family, <laughs> the family that sits like, you know, maybe four or five rows in the middle. They always kind of sit there for some reason. And I'm just trying to get that in my spirit, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And as I'm looking at that green dot, I'm trying to bring that, using my imagination, bring that empathy up. And I'm thinking about that couple and that family and those teenagers and that senior citizen, um, that widow, you know. And so that it brings an authenticity. Um, so that's that's the challenge for all of us is to try to bring your most authentic self to this very sort of vulnerable, uh, exposed and another thing that might help, one last thing would be those of you that do are leading in this time, think of it more of a as like a midweek Bible study in someone's living room. I get that picture of what that feels like. And if you've never done that, well, now it's time. But, you know, typically a Bible study, I'm prepared to do about, you know, 12, 15 minutes. And I'll typically will lower the keys to each song, maybe a whole step. Because, you know, we're in someone's living room and people are a little self-conscious and they don't, they're not going to sing really high. So I think putting it down in a, in a slightly lower key, going more for an intimate thing and t- instead of like, maybe some of you have a Sunday morning that's like, good morning, church. Woo, let's stand together. Bumble, 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 kick drum, bumble, bumble, bumble. You know like, <laughs> We don't have that now, man. So we yeah. got to go for the midweek Bible study, intimate, um, authenticity, um, just saying, God, at the risk of being boring, give me courage to just be who I am. I don't have to impress anybody here. God, just help me to be the most authentic version of myself as I try to communicate and gently, respectfully encourage others to join me in this time of online worship. Hey, my friends, we want to take a moment in the middle of this podcast to say thank you to all those of you who have subscribed on the Patreon platform. We're so grateful that you believe in the work that we're doing here at Prayerfully Woke, and we cannot thank you enough for your support. If you're listening and you're interested in supporting us financially, you want to be part of this Prayerfully Woke movement, you can check out the descriptions below for a link to find out how. Thanks. Now back to the episode. I wanted to ask you while we have you on here about uh, writing. You were you were writing worship music before it was cool. <laughs> you were writing worship. You know what I mean? Before Hillsong came along, before Planet Shakers, and all you know, all, all that we have now. You were you were telling you were asking God to open the eyes of our heart. Um, what what is a writing process for you? Did you write songs? when you were playing rock and roll or were, were worship songs, your first uh, writing experience? Great question. No, I did not write. I was mostly an electric guitar player or acoustic playing for others who could sing really well. I didn't do a lot of singing. 
I was a little shy, you know, but I was surrounded by other good singers, so I would sing background vocals or harmony. And then, you're right, it wasn't until I started leading worship that I began to, uh, the songwriting thing came about, you know, our church was small enough that maybe I'd finish song number three, and, you know, three out of four, and I'd look at my band and say, hey, let's just kind of linger here for a minute. You know, let's just think about what we just sang, ding, ding, I'm ch- those you can't see me on the podcast, but I'm playing air guitar right now. I'm strumming. He's rocking it, folks. He is rocking air guitar right now. I'm strumming. <laughs> so we just came out of maybe an intimate song, and we're just saying, Lord, you know, wow, you know what we just said there, especially. And maybe there was a line, or maybe, maybe it had nothing to do with that song, but all of a sudden a scripture came to mind, and I would say, you know, you know that song reminds me of the scripture that says, you know, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. And the righteous run to it and are saved. Lord, we, this morning, we, we run to you in our hearts, God. We run to you because then your name, your name, your name is a strong and mighty tower. Your name, jing, 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 you know, God, you're a refuge like no other. Your name is a strong and mighty tower. So the point being, so many songs came from those moments of where you're you're kind of half praying, half singing, and then it would just be a simple line, open the eyes of my heart, one of those. Hey, guys, let's sing this simple line back to the Lord as we close our worship time. Let's just lift that prayer to the Lord. And I'm jing, jing, I'm playing in the key of E. Open the eyes of our hearts, Lord. We want to see you. And that would be it. We'd repeat that maybe for a minute or two, and then, you know, okay, now the offering. But I would take note. I started to pay attention to those moments and then capture them on a little voice recorder. And then later in the week, carve out time with our keyboard player. Him and I would meet at the church a couple times a week and say, uh, hey, remember that, that thing I was, you know, you said or I said, remember on Sunday? Let's kind of see if we can try to put something simple together that maybe the church can sing next week or this coming week, you know, maybe a simple prayer song, I used to call them. And uh, songs weren't as complicated back then, you know. They were yeah. a little bit simpler and a lot of repetition. But we, I never had any thought of, I just really didn't have the faith to even imagine doing a CD someday. To me, we started writing songs for our church people. We are like, this would be cool like if we could sing this as, as a church. I feel like, remember Pastor was talking about this three weeks ago? What if we, uh, what if we take that one phrase that he kept saying and how about something like da-da-da-da-da, you know? And that's how we got started. And we started writing and demoing a couple songs a week, and then a year goes by, and we have almost 100 songs demoed, and then... Um, a guy from Integrity Music visited our church um, one Sunday. He was teaching at the YWAM school for a week and then just came to our church that Sunday. And I had one of the, our original songs in the midst of our list. And he came up after and was like, hey, is that, is that original? I was like, do you have any other songs? I was like, well, actually, we do. <laughs> like, Here's like a whole suitcase of, I think were they cassette tapes? I think dat tapes were just coming around back Right about then, but um, yeah. So, so in the midst in the midst of writing something like that, I mean, is there a moment where you know this is going to be something, or is it is it just dependent upon uh, who hears it or who receives it? 
or is there a moment of inspiration where you're like, man, this, this captures what I needed to capture? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's yes to all that. All that <laughs> yes. question. It's yeah. not a, it's not a either or, um, it's a yes in that as you're writing a song, you, you have to be a little bit excited to pursue it, to even bother to play with it, to worship with that idea, that germ of an idea, that seed. And then as it's taking shape, um, you know, you want to keep bringing your, you want to believe in every one of those songs. Otherwise, why waste your time? So I think in the moment, you really believe in it. And it's only kind of in hindsight, maybe after you've demoed it and a month has gone by or you tried it at church and two months go by and you look back and go, huh, you know, it's a good song. It's, it's okay. It's good. It's not terrible, but it's, it's just, a, it's just <laughs> you know, it's just good. And I think, the key, you know, we, in order to find some really special songs, we have to write a lot of, I used to say a lot of bad songs. Because I used to say, well, we wrote a lot of bad songs. Well, you know, from a craft standpoint, they were somewhat not, not necessarily special, but we thought they were good, right? So the point being, you have to write a lot of songs just to exercise that that songwriting muscle. However, the the next part that you mentioned is there are times where, no doubt, there's something in the moment. The song just kind of practically writes itself, and you feel like you're just in the room, and the words are just coming so fast, and the chords and the melody. And um, there's been a few of those where, wow. Lord, I'm just going to, we're just going to deliver this song. I can't even take credit for writing it. It just feels like we're the FedEx guy and we're <laughs> going to, we're going to deliver this to the church. Um, you know, above all felt like that, you know, when Lenny and I, I had that verse for about a year and I had a different chorus that we sang at our church, but every time we sang it, I thought, man, in my head, in my own head, I mean, our church was, you know, love praising the Lord, raising her hands and singing it. But I thought, I don't know feel like there's a better chorus for this song so yeah about six months later i met with lenny leblanc threw out some ideas eventually got around to that i said i'm not even going to play you this course but let me just play you this verse and so as we started working on that new course he had a couple initial ideas right off the bat and uh, boy we got to the end of that new chorus and we both kind of teared up and were really moved emotionally you know crucified laid behind a stone you live to die rejected and alone like a rose trampled on the ground you know just there's something uh yeah there was something about that another example that man i think your name was written in about 20 minutes yeah, um, that's an awesome song you know glenn glenn packham and i were together at New Life Church in the bait in the nursery and there was a piano set up and we said well let's just get together Monday morning I gotta fly out like Monday night I think I was there for their weekend services and we said let's try to get together tomorrow morning and see if anything happens and uh, long story short um, I'm just noodling on in B flat on the piano and he's reading the Psalms out loud and there's a Psalm 68 and as he's reading it out loud walking around the room that, that line, as morning dawns and evening fades, you bring forth songs of praise, blah, blah, blah. Oh, oh, Glenn, Glenn, say that again. Say that again. Um, and I'm playing that chord. 
But yeah, as morning dawns, it does not sound like the beginning of a song. Like as morning dawns and evening fades, you know, you bring forth. Uh, or let's see, you know, later to be changed. You inspire songs of praise. So that's what a lot of you listening, if you're trying to do songwriting from the Psalms, start off with just one note, just sing, take that psalm. And just put one note to it, just to get you started. <laughs> and then you can move. Then you can move from there. That rise from earth to touch your heart. Uh, we glorify your name. We looked at each other like, oh man, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> so let's do that again. That's morning. And then the second time, like glorify your name. And then you could just feel it wanted to go, your name. Um, your name and then you know proverbs 18 is uh, the name of the lord is a strong tower is a strong and mighty tower your name is a um is a refuge yeah is a shelter is a fortress like you know and then you're kind (laughs) of right (laughs) and and literally in about 30 minutes pretty much had that whole idea because we ran over to this friends of our this friend Don Harris who had a nice uh, recording system set up at his house and uh, we were like Don Don well, can we do a demo real quick just like a little work tape because Glenn and I didn't have anything to to record with this was before iPhones and <laughs> <laughs> so anyhow blah 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 that's, that's awesome uh, man what a yeah, great story yeah, that's amazing I I didn't know that you were affiliated with Glenn Packiam you know we uh had him on the podcast like earlier this season it, he's a fantastic guy yes awesome love him man I love it um Paul gosh just so much of this conversation I just I see within you uh you you use the word intimacy a couple of times and 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 just obviously I mean people who are listening to the podcast can't see it you know but the people who watch on youtube will be able to but you just you, you just you're into it and you there you, we can tell there's energy behind what you are saying and how you're feeling mm. and i'm just wondering how much of that comes from being before the lord how much of that comes from how much of that energy that you have comes from energy uh from god you could say because I, I just know, like all the times I've ever felt um, super close to God, have been in settings of uh, where worship music was affiliated in some way, shape, or form. So, so how how has your worship experiences, I guess, just juiced you up in the way that you are? I don't, I don't know. That, that's the best way I can ask that question, I suppose. Well, thanks, Walker. Um, I mean, I have down days or melancholy days, or or at least parts of, of the day. At times, so I just want to say that up front, so if somebody doesn't listening doesn't feel like, man, what's wrong with me? <laughs> um, um, I'm part of it. I get juiced when I'm with other people that are God lovers, that are pursuing God, that are sincere in their faith, and honestly, con- having a conversation about the Lord um, does sort of get me excited. It, I, I love mm-hmm. hearing like your heart, you guys, as you share, even your questions are like. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, So that's why not forsaking uh, the assembling of ourselves. You know, there's no Lone Ranger Christianity. We need one another. We need Jesus with skin on, as uh, you've ever heard that before. Yeah, Yeah. sure. 
You know, you just, it's not just me and Jesus and that's it. You know, it's like, yeah, but we need one another because there's things about Jesus that I'll glean from you and vice versa, you know, as we're part of a body. Um, and especially get around people that aren't anything like us. That's one thing I do love about local church is there's so many people who I would never hang out with them if it wasn't for church. I have like almost nothing in common with that dude. And yet here we are in the same uh, small group. And I realized, you know, after a few months, like that's actually a really good thing for me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Initially you're like, oh man, I just want to hang out with a bunch of music dudes that are into like music and God and coffee and so it's, that's what's great about local churches. We're forced to be around people that maybe think a little different, approach things different, see things different. And we don't always love that, but it's like a, it's a family. So I'm not dodging your questions. I think it's both. So we need one another. But yes, uh, carving out time, that ministry to the Lord thing that people can, if you just Google Balash ministry to the Lord, and just watch my little 30-minute unpacking of what that looks like for me, and that has helped me sustain something that's authentic, where when I do lead worship, I don't feel like I'm just, you know, faking it or phoning it or putting on a persona, but I'm, I'm, hope, I'm wanting it to be a bit of an overflow of my private time with the Lord um, so that there's some integrity to it, if that makes sense. Oh, it makes, yes, lots of sense. Amen. I have a question um, about modern worship because obviously, you know, you're you're a pioneer, man. I mean, you really paved the way for a lot of you know modern worship music. I just want to ask you, just because I'm curious, what are some of your favorite worship songs that are out right now? What maybe that have come out within the past, you know, five years? The whole up to, up to now, the whole Behold Him record, bro. Come oh, on. thank you, Jonathan. <laughs> yeah, we we interrupt this broadcast for a brief promotion. <laughs> Behold Him. <laughs> Behold him, brand new album by Paul Valadez. Over a million streams on Spotify. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do believe that, by the way, that is the most recent song in the last 10 years. That that song in particular, how I described above all and your name and a few others where I just felt like God just sort of like said, here you go. Um, we didn't have to wrestle that song to the ground. You know, there's some songs you work at it and you come back next week and the next the week after that. Behold Him, we wrote that with uh, Mitch Wong. We wrote it across Skype, just like this right now, guys. Yeah. I mean, right now, the three of us could write a song right now. I mean, that's well, how you we and wrote. Jonathan could. I have zero musical talent, but you and Jonathan <laughs> can go at it. <laughs> um. So, ah, man, I went off on that tangent. I lost my, uh, oh, what songs? Yeah, what songs? Man, there's a lot of, there's so many songs right now, um, which is a good problem to have. It's not really a problem. There's more worship music than there's ever has been in the history of the church. So there you go. So there's no excuse for not being able to find a style, a genre, a vibe, an artist that that you resonate with and go there you go i mean anybody from john mark mcmillan to the brilliance to elevation to bethel hill song to you know phil wickham or lincoln brewster you know whatever i we all know i i hesitate to even start mentioning people david leonard and da 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 i feel like i can mention 10 more people that i have so much respect for and i'm inspired by their walk with god and the songs they write so, you know, all the the ones out there right now, of course, like um, Yes, I Will, like the vertical worship 
I love those mm-hmm. guys. I know their hearts. Vertical worship band. So, yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Um, of course, we all love Great Are You, Lord. We Build My Life is just a really strong worship song, really almost like a, I don't know, it just reminds me of almost a song, song from the 90s in a good way. You know, hopefully we're not tired of what a beautiful name already because it, to me it's a, one of the most perfectly written worship songs. The verses have great content. The chorus is just just simple but fresh. And then the bridge just takes you up another notch. It's really worth studying. And that's one of my advice to, final word of advice to songwriters. It's like, be a student. Be a lifelong student of great songs. And like, take that song and study it. Like, why? Even if you don't care for it so much. But you've got to ask yourself, why does it resonate with so many people? You may not like The Blessing, but it's an amazing song. Like, take that into your workshop, your woodshop, if you will, like your figurative, and take it apart. Look at that verse, how it leads to that chorus, and why do people want to sing that? So those are questions worth asking if you want to improve in songwriting. That is awesome. I have two quick questions for you as we go. I've always heard this story that somebody asked Jimi Hendrix who the greatest guitar player of all time or how did it feel to be the greatest guitar player of all time? And he said, I don't know. Ask Phil Kagey. Phil Kagey, yeah. Have you ever heard that? I've heard it a hundred times and it's been it supposedly true? not true. And even okay. Phil is like, I mean, somebody put that out there years ago and it's just <laughs> never, yeah, it never right, went well, away. So. Very good. We know, you're, we know your time is short. We appreciate your time. We got to ask you though, what yeah. does prayerfully woke mean to you? Prayerfully woke. Well, I mean, the word woke, of course, is is uh, pregnant with all kinds of possible definitions and and meaning in this t- day and age. So, I would say uh, be and prayerfully is how we should live each day with our antenna up, with our our spirit and our hearts and our minds open and receptive. So prayerfully woke, just being alert in the spirit is, is a, a very biblical term. Be alive, be alert in the spirit. Like, don't be asleep. Be, be woke. Be awakened to what's happening between you and the Lord, between you and the people in your immediate family and friends. Sometimes we can say we love the world, and yet we, we're like a jerk in our own homes. So start practicing love on the people right in your own home or your inner circle practice there and then hopefully we then we can at the same time begin to look and address at our neighbors and our our country and our um our cities and our towns and uh not just have an opinion not to just be a virtue signaler but someone who's informed that is willing to talk to both sides of different issues and with an open heart, an open mind, don't just fall into one camp all the time. Um, and just be alert and be a Jesus person. Be a Jesus person, not a, don't just put yourself in a box. So I guess that's, that's, you're really put me on the spot, but that's how I would, that's how I interpret prayerfully woke. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to this amazing uh, conversation with Paul Balash. Uh, Paul, where can people find you? Um, social media, just at Paul Balash. They can go my okay. YouTube channel. Paul Balash has uh, uh, several free courses on songwriting, leading worship, worship team. They're all broken down in like 10 modules. It's all free. Just subscribe. 
And um, yep, hopefully uh, you'll be encouraged by that. Awesome. Well, we will link all of that in the description down below. As always, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Prayerfully Woke. Peace. Peace.